You're listening to the Hudson Valley Region Podcast, an official podcast of the New York City Church of Christ, teaching and worshiping God in the beautiful New York State counties of Orange and Rockland. Last week, I shared a lesson with you uh, about Isaiah. We talked about the call of God, and we talked about Isaiah, and when Isaiah was called by God. And if you remember, if you uh, remember that, if you, if you don't, you can go back online and listen to it. But if you remember the lesson, uh, when God came to Isaiah and called him to, to do the task that God had for him, Isaiah's first response was to look at whom? Himself, yes. He looked at himself. In fact, he literally said, woe is me. It's right there in the text. He said that. And so often we looked at him because I think often when God calls us to do great things or to be something that we might not be comfortable with or to expand our faith or be faithful, so often we respond just like Isaiah. We, Our first thought often is to look at ourselves, and though we may not say the words, we think them and we feel them. We think, wow, woe is me. But we studied it out, not because we wanted to look at Isaiah, but Isaiah, but we wanted to look at God. How did God respond? And we remember from last week that God's response to Isaiah was to give him a brand new perspective. To say to him, listen, there's another way to relate to life. And it's outside of you. A new perspective, and that is God. And so if you didn't get a chance to listen to that, I, I would encourage you to go back and go online and listen to that lesson as we looked at what, it, what Isaiah, how he responded to the call of God and what God's response was to him. Well, today we're going to continue this theme and look at another person that was called by God, a man named Jeremiah. Jeremiah was also, like Isaiah, was called by God to do some, some things that would require great faith. And, like Isaiah, Jeremiah didn't respond necessarily that well uh, at first, but God responds then to Jeremiah, and these are the lessons that you and I can learn today and apply to our lives. So let's read together in Jeremiah chapter 1. <clears throat> Jeremiah chapter 1, beginning in verse 4. This is Jeremiah writing, and he says, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Ah, oh, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am only a child. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build up and to plant. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you see, Jeremiah? I see a branch of an almond tree, I replied. The Lord said to me, You have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. Now, if you didn't quite catch that, if you look in your footnote there, the word watching in, in the original Hebrew is a word that sounds very simil similar to the word almond tree. Very similar in Hebrew. They sound similar. So God is making a pun. Yeah, no, God is punny. Who would have known? No, God is. He's making a point, but he's using a word. If you look there, that... Anyway, all right, I thought that was cool. Verse 13. The word of the Lord came to me again. What do you see? 
I see a boiling pot tilting away from the north, I answered. The Lord said to me, from the north, disaster will be poured out on all who live in the land. I am about to summon all the peoples of the northern kingdom, declares the Lord. Their kings will come and set up their thrones in the entrance to the gates of Jerusalem. They will come against all her surrounding walls and against the towns of Judah. I will pronounce my judgment on my people because of their wickedness in forsaking me, in burning incense to other gods and in worshiping what their hands have made. Get yourself ready. Stand up and say to them whatever I command you. Do not be terrified by them or I will terrify you before them. Today I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and all the people of the land. They will fight against you but will not overcome you. For I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. What an amazing calling of God. God comes to Jeremiah and he says, I've got something for you to do and it's going to be tough. It's going to be difficult and it's going to require you using your faith, exerting your faith. And Jeremiah's response is what? He makes an excuse. Right there in verse 6, his first response is, he said, oh, sovereign Lord. I do not know how to speak. I am only a child. Now, I don't know about you, but I am glad that's in there. I'm glad that the great prophet Jeremiah, who goes on to do some amazing things for God, that his first reaction to being called to faith is to make an excuse. I'm glad that's there because that gives me hope for me. Right? His first reaction is, I can't do it. I'm just a kid. But God there in verses 7 and 8, quickly identifies the root, right? He quickly identifies the root of the, of, the, uh, of the excuse by saying, But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a child. You must go to everyone I send you, send you to and say whatever I command you. And then verse 8, Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you declares the Lord. See, so Jeremiah is called, he throws out this excuse, and God God goes right through the excuse and identifies the root of the excuse. What is the root? Fear. Jeremiah was afraid. God says, don't say that, and don't be afraid. So often, this is what happens to us as well. God calls us to do something. And again, although we may not say it out loud, but in our hearts we resist and we come up with reasons why we can't do it and why we can't do this. And God looks right through it all and says, Hey, just don't be afraid. I am with you. God identifies his root. As God is calling us, how are we responding? How are we responding? Are we making excuses that really, really at the root are just fear? Fear is paralyzing, isn't it? It really is. Fear can make powerful beings do weak things. You know, I've shared this, I think, with you before. I have shared this with you before. But when I was a younger man, I worked on a dairy farm for a while. It was a dairy farm that belonged to a a friend of the family. And this, this gentleman, this farmer, had about 200 cows on his farm. Now, I don't know... Uh, if you've ever been on a, a farm or have even seen a cow before, cows are big animals, aren't they? One of the things that really surprised me the most about working on this dairy farm that sort of dawned on me over time is that it, it, it amazed me at how afraid that the cows were of the humans. 
You know, a cow is a big animal. It's a big animal. In fact, an adult cow it can be anywhere, it's about 1,500 pounds. So here I came in as a young man, right? And here's an animal that at that time outweighed me by about 10 times, right? 10 times my size. And there wasn't just one, there were literally hundreds of them. And I would walk in and the cows would run. Cows are big animals, right? They're big animals. All it would take is for one cow to say, hey, I've had enough of this guy, right? This scrawny little, weak little guy, he's out of here. That's all it would, it just take one. And then if he just rounded up a couple of his buddies, what would I do? I would be the one running. So it wasn't, and it real, I realized working on this farm, it wasn't the gates and the fences that kept these cows in, because I don't know if you know this, but cows can actually jump over fences. But it wasn't the, it wasn't the, the, it wasn't the, the fences that kept the cows in check. It was their fear. It was their fear of me. Scrawny little kid. <laughs> Coming in, totally outweighed by the giant cow. You know, fear is paralyzing. God blesses us. God gives to us. God is there for us. And often the thing that stops us isn't God. It's our own fear. And we're those, you know, we have it all. We have everything we need. But we're afraid to step out on faith. But if we did, what would happen? What would happen? What would happen if we put aside our our fear and our excuses and we stepped out? God is calling us today to follow Him. Luke chapter 14, God is calling us to count the cost, to give up everything, to, to decide that there will be no relationship that will be more important in your life than Him. God's calling us that. In John 13, God is calling us. He's calling us to love each other the way Jesus loved us. And in context, when you read John 13, what did Jesus do? He had just washed the stinky, smelly, dirty feet of his friends. And then he says, now love each other the same way. That's what he's calling us to do, to love each other the way Jesus loved us. Luke chapter 11, you know, his disciples after growing up religious people, go to Jesus and said, hey, teach us to pray. And so we are being called, like his disciples, to be taught, to humble ourselves. We may think we know it. We may think we got it all together. But do we have the courage and the faith to humble ourselves and be teachable by Jesus? Luke chapter 9, we are being called to deny ourselves daily, to take up our cross, to follow Jesus. That is the call of a disciple. That's what we're being called. John chapter 8, we are being called to live lives according to the Word of God. Not according to our religious traditions. Not according to the, the way we feel on Tuesdays. Not according to, you know, you know, the latest idea of what's cool and what's not. But according to God's Word. That's what we're being called, John chapter 8. In John chapter 17, we are being called to know Him. To not just be acquainted with Him or know about Him, but to know Him. To have a friendship with Him. To have a connection with Him. This is the call of God to each of us today. This is not the call to the super disciple. This is not the call to all the young people in the church. This is not the call to the few who sit on the front row. No, this is the call for all of us. 
This is the call for every one of us. So how are you responding to the call? Are you responding with faith or with fear? How are we responding? You know, like Jeremiah, sometimes our fear manifests itself in excuses. Like Jeremiah, we can look for the loopholes, right? God says, here's what I'm expecting, and we're like, well, God, but what about this? You know, God, what about my hectic schedule? I am so busy, God. I'll get to you eventually. I got my family. I got my job. I got my school. I got a lot of stuff going on. And we throw out the excuse of a hectic schedule. What about our weaknesses? Well, God, you don't understand. I'm just a weak person. Kindness really has just never been my thing, right? Loving people, that's just not who I am, right? And we throw out the excuses of our weaknesses. What about our religious backgrounds? Well, God, that's just not how I was raised. Listen, that's not how any of us was raised. None of us was really raised with this, this level, this standard that Jesus puts out. We've all got to change and something in our life to become like it. So do we throw out the excuse of the religious backgrounds, the, the way we grew up? How about people's responses? Sometimes that's an excuse. Well, I don't know. What will people say? What will my family think? What about the people at work? You know, how is this going to come across if I really give God everything? And these are just excuses rooted oftentimes, like Jeremiah, in just plain fear. We're just scared. We're just scared. I understand fear. I understand fear. I have constant battles with fear in my own life every day. You know, I made a list of my fears here. I fear failure. I'm afraid of it. I'm afraid of being given responsibilities and then making mistakes and falling short. I, I really, I fear that. I fear blowing it in a way that hurts other people. I fear blowing it and failing in a way that creates consequences that I have to then live with. I, I, I fear failure in a way that I, I'm afraid that I'll, I'll do something wrong and, and, and have regrets. I'm old enough in life now, you know, and, and many of you are at this point too, but old enough in life that I'm starting to having regrets in my life. I look back and go, oh man, I wish, wish I wouldn't have done it that way. Or, oh, I wish, had I, oh man, I wish I would have, you know, and, and, and that's as a Christian, you know, I mean, I'm not talking as a non-Christian. I'm talking as a Christian. I just wish I wouldn't have said that. Or I wish I would have been nicer then. Or I wish I would have done that. So I live in this, I, I have this fear constantly of failing. I have a fear of loss. Maybe you can relate to that one. You know, I've been a Christian for a long time. And for those of you who have also been Christians for a while, I have a lot of, there, there's been a lot of loss along the way. People that I have loved very deeply who are gone. Gone. I mean, now, now the, the good side about it is, is, is in all the years I've been a Christian, I've created some incredible relationships with people that are very strong now, even to this day. People that I love very deeply, and that I'm very close to, that I wouldn't have been if it weren't for God, right? But I, there are also people that I felt, I felt bonded with and close to and very near, and they're gone. And I don't mean dead gone. I mean just gone, just like they've given up. They've quit the faith. They've walked away. And so now I can, if I see him, I can say hi or whatever, but that bond is gone. That closeness is gone. And I fear that. I fear it. It makes it hard sometimes to get close to new people because I, in the back of my mind I'm afraid. What if I lose you? 
What if I lose you? I'm afraid of rejection. I battle that. I like to be liked. My name is Phil, and I like <laughs> to be liked. <laughs> you like that? Oh, cool. All right, good. All right, good. See, you just fed that. Yeah, see how that works? But, you know, as a Christian, oftentimes, sometimes, even oftentimes, I have to make choices to follow God's word, and people don't like it. And it hurts. It kills me. I, I, I lose sleep over it. it, it, it it's hard. And I, and I don't like rejection. So I fear that. I fear people's rejection. I, I, I'm afraid. I, I fear being taken it for granted sometimes. You know, I like to be, as Hamilton says, in the room where it happens, right? I want to be in the loop. I want to be in, I want, I want people to hear what I got to say, you know, because it's not always that I think I got something great to say, and I often do think I have great things to say, but it's not really that. It's just, I just don't, I don't want to be tricked. I don't want to be duped. I don't want, I don't want my trust to be violated, right? I don't want, I don't want that. I w- so I want to be, I want to be in the know. I want to know all the details. I want to know what's going on. And, and so I have this fear of, of being excluded. You know, what if, what if something happens and I'm on the outside and I'm sitting there and every, all the cool people are over there? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a fear. I, I, I live with that. I, I'm a fear. I have a fear of just being in pain. Just, I, 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 went, I had a procedure done recently at the doctor and the nurse said, is there anything that you're allergic to? And I said, yeah, pain. So... <laughs> I need you to do whatever you need to do to prevent me having any pain at all for this. You know, because I just don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. I mean, no, who does like it? I mean, you know, and, and I, but, but it, it, I'm afraid of it. I'm afraid of it sneaking up on me. I'm afraid that after all my ducks are in a row, I will have forgotten this one and boom, it'll hurt. You know, it'll like smack me right in the face. But then I look at Jesus and I go, wow, Jesus lived a life full of pain. In fact, he died in pain. How is it that I think I'm going to follow him and not experience pain? I can't. I'm going to. But it's still a fear that I have. And I'm, I'm embarrassed about my fears. I'm ashamed of my fears. And this is coming from a man who's, who's been a Christian for decades, right? You know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not... You know, I, I, these fears are there regularly, and I, and I, and I had to fight them, and, and I constantly had to fight not making excuses to indulge in my fears. It's, it's a battle. It's hard. It's difficult. It's always there. But the beauty of our lesson today and the beauty of this story of Jeremiah is that God actually gives Jeremiah some solutions for his fear. He gives them a couple solutions, and I'd like to look at these with you, because I think these solutions not only, of course, apply to Jeremiah, but they apply to us today. They're things that can help us as we battle with our fear when we're called to be something for God. The first one there is found in verses 4 and 5. It says, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born... I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. I think one of the first things to remember when we're battling our fears that God has said this. Listen, you have been selected. You have been picked. You are special to me. That's what God's saying to Jeremiah. He says, I knew you. 
I picked you before you were even born. I remember as a 15-year-old sitting down one time with a youth minister at my grandparents' church. And I sat down with him and I, and I began to tell him all the things he was doing wrong in his ministry. And at, at the ripe old age of 15, I had the list. I said to him, I literally said, I said, listen, I think what you got going on here is a good thing. I appreciate your efforts. But let me give you a couple things you need to work at. 15 years old, talking to the youth minister at this church. And looking back, I appreciate what, how he handled it. Because he listened and, and listened. But then he opened the Bible. And I remember him opening the scriptures and showing me specifically in Matthew chapter 7, but other scriptures, teaching me something I'd never understood before. I'd grown up going to church my whole life, but never understood the concept that I was special to God. I never got that. Never got that. I knew that God was out there and we had to obey God, but to me God was sort of a, a bank transaction. Like, I do this, do that, got to go here, got to go this, check, 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 thank you God, done, see you next Sunday, God. That was my understanding and my relationship with God. But what this guy helped me understand is that God wanted to know me, to know me, to have a connection with me, to have a friendship with me. And, and, and so he sat there and explained this to me and helped me understand that I was special, that I was u- unique to God, that God didn't, he wanted everybody, but God wanted me, that I had been selected. That changed my life. That conversation, I still remember it. I remember it. I remember the dots connecting in my brain. And it was like the lights turned on. And I went, wow. And that began the journey for me pursuing God. Me walking with God. It wouldn't be till later that I would actually become a disciple of Jesus and become a Christian. But it was at that that was a turning point for me. And I went, wow, this is this is God's feelings for me. You know, God looks at us and says, You have been selected. You are special. Now, someone may argue, yeah, Phil, if everyone is special, then no one is special, right? I mean, if we're all special, then no one's special. And I guess in some mathematical way, that's probably true. But ask a grandmother, hey, grandmother, which of your seven grandkids are special? You know what she's going to say? All of them. All of them. And she's going to mean it. I don't know how it works for God. I don't know how you can look at every single person on the planet and each of them can be special, but it does. That's how he feels. That's how he thinks about you and about me. And that's what God says to Jeremiah. Don't be afraid. You've been selected. You are special. I want you. I don't want the collection. I want you. That's God's response to our fear. You have been selected. First Peter chapter 2 verse 9 says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. <laughs> That's awesome. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You are God's special possession. Sometimes we feel small. Sometimes we feel insignificant. Sometimes we feel unimportant. Sometimes we feel forgotten. 
Sometimes we feel washed up. Sometimes we just feel afraid. But God says to Jeremiah and to us today, don't be afraid. You have been selected. What else does he say? You have been supplied. Let's look at verses 9 again back here in Jeremiah chapter 1. The Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy to, and overthrow, to build and to plant. So Jeremiah throws out his protest. I can't do it. I'm small. God says, don't be afraid. One, you've been selected. And two, you've been supplied. You've got what you need. Jeremiah says, I can't. And God says, I will equip you. And the Bible says he reaches out and gives him his word. That still applies to you and I today. You know, life can be dark. Life can be confusing. Life can be difficult. And oftentimes people go, wow, I just wish I had a manual. You do. You actually, it's a big one, all right? It's going to take a lifetime of study. It's not just, you know, something you get out when you get a new coffee maker type manual. It is an elaborate, detailed manual of our lives. But you have it. God has supplied us with something special. God has given it to us. He, we say we can't, and God says, I've given you everything you need. I've given you my word. Philippians chapter 4, verse 9, it says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. 2 Peter 1, verse 3, it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. God says to Jeremiah, and he says it to us, don't be afraid. You have been selected and you have been supplied. That's why we need to be students of the word. That's why we need to be reading it. I appreciate what Maddie said earlier when she's talking about her conversion. She talked about how she, she had to read the Bible on her own. Not just when they did Bible studies together. Of course, not just when we gather at church on Sunday, but she had to come to the conviction, I've got to read it on my own. That's, that is it. That's what God has given you and I. It's hard. It says a lot of strong things. There's a lot of stuff in there that's difficult. But you and I have got to embrace it and hold on to it. And that's where we find what it is that God has supplied to us. There's one more thing in here that God gives to Isaiah. Let's read uh, verses 17. I'm sorry, to Jeremiah, not Isaiah. Uh, verses 17 through 19 again. It says, Get yourself ready. Stand up and say to them, Whatever I command you, do not be terrified by them, or I will terrify you before them. Today I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar, and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you. For I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. The third thing that God gives to Jeremiah, he says to him, you have been selected, you have been supplied, and you are safe. You are safe. Jeremiah was afraid. And God says, listen, you've got all that you need. I've picked you, I've given you what you need, and then to top it all off, I am on your side. You are safe. God's presence 
in our life is what brings us safety. It doesn't make life easier by any means, all right? Let's just dispel that rumor in your head. Like, I'm a Christian. It should be easy. Eh, wrong. Fail. Go back. Start again. No, it doesn't remove the difficulties in your life, but it provides you safe passage through them. That's what God does. That's what God's presence does. God in our life, his presence brings us safety. I remember as a kid, my dad would go on walks, and often because he was busy during the day and working, he would walk at night. And he would just walk through the neighborhood for exercise, and, and so I would go with him. But he, he, like I said, he would walk at nighttime. And so, you know, I was, as a kid, I remember being scared because it was nighttime, you know. And thinking back now, I look back on the little town that I grew up in. There was never really any danger that I was in. But I didn't know that as a kid. I was scared, except for one thing. I was with my dad. I was with my dad. That was it. His presence took away my fear. I wouldn't go out by myself. But his presence, he being with me, it took away my fear. I remember as a kid, we grew up sailing. My dad, uh, at one point, we owned a little sailboat, a sunfish. I don't know if you know about sailboats, but a sunfish is a tiny little sailboat. I don't know, eight feet, nine feet, not that long. And it's only really meant for one person. And we were sailing on a lake, but there was three of us in there. My dad, me, and my sister. And we were sailing along, and a gust of wind came, and the boat flipped over. I'm trying to wait, did I, wait, I'm re- remembering if I got the story. Yeah, the, the boat flipped over because I remember falling into the water and being terrified. But you know what I did? I swam to my dad. I went to my dad. You're supposed to in those situations when a boat flips over is you climb on the bottom of the boat. Usually they float upside down and you climb until you get some help. That's not what I did. I went to my dad. Now, looking back, I was completely safe. I was wearing a life jacket. I could swim. I was in a lake. I mean, it was like really, you know, it was a bathtub. Actually, it wasn't even, you know, no, I'm kidding. No, but looking back, I was totally safe. There was no problems. Really, I was, I, I was going to be fine. But I didn't think, I didn't know that. I was terrified. So me and my sister, we swam to our dad. Why? Because having your dad's presence is what brings safety. That's what God is saying to Jeremiah. God is saying to Jeremiah, he said, listen, my presence will bring you safety. You are safe. Don't give in to your fear because I am with you. Psalm 27, verse 1 says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? God's presence brings us safety. You have been selected, you have been supplied, and you are safe. So the question is, what is God now calling you to do? What is he calling you to do? I don't know. I don't know what it is for you. Where is he calling you to have faith? Where is he calling you to set aside your fear and to step out? Is he calling you to have faith in a a very tough situation in your life? Is he calling you to deal with unresolved conflict in your life? Is he calling you to become a disciple of Jesus? Is he calling you to stay a disciple of Jesus? Is he calling you to make disciples of Jesus? Is he calling you to lead disciples of Jesus? What is he calling you to do today? You know. You know. What is it? Are you giving in to your fear? Are you making responses like Jeremiah? Are you terrified? Or do you see that you have been selected, supplied, and you are safe? 
and you can overcome your fear. The good news about Jeremiah, and I'll share this in closing. The good news is this. Jeremiah eventually decided not to give in to his fear. He decided to do what was right in spite of his fear. And he eventually, in Jeremiah chapter 17, beginning in verse 5, writes these words. Listen to these words. And these words are true for you and I today. They were true for him back then, and they're true for us today. Jeremiah says, and, and Jeremiah, well, Jeremiah quoting God, in Jeremiah 17 verse 5, it says, This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. He will be like a bush in the wastelands. He will not see prosperity when it comes. He will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Let us be men and let us be women who hold on to God in spite of our fears. Thank you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Hudson Valley Region podcast. For more information about our ministry or to attend a church service, please visit our website at hvregion.com. 